Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Um, we are starting this new series this week, and, and I really wanted to tell you, this is more than a sermon series. And, and I hope you uh, understand that this way. You probably noticed, if you came in late, maybe you didn't get the announcement at the beginning of the service, but you probably noticed um, that there's a chair, the, on your chair, there was a book there, okay? And if you didn't notice it, that's why you're feeling a little uncomfortable right now, because you're sitting on it. So pull it out, okay? It looks like this. Um, this is something that we are committed to as a church because it really goes, we're kicking it off this, mor- this morning, but it really goes to the heart of why we exist as a church. It goes to the very heart of why any church exists. It, ex- it goes to the heart of why you and I exist and continue in this world. It goes all the way back to what Jesus gave to his followers that we're going to look at together this morning. It's about disciples making disciples. And, and, and if, you don't, if you're not familiar with it, it's found in Matthew chapter 28. If you want to turn there, uh, feel free. If you, some of you probably learned this and memorized this in Scripture. I, I was at a conference this week, uh, and one of the speakers was Jim Collins, author of the book uh, Good to Great. And he said these words. It was so good, I just wrote it down. And I thought, man, this is, this is good stuff. He said, it is impossible to have a great life without living a meaningful life. It's impossible to have a great life without living a meaningful life because greatness comes in meaning. Greatness comes with purpose. And when Jesus came, one of the things that he said is, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. He was talking about living a meaningful life. And he spent three years, he called some followers to come follow me. And then at the end of that three years, he said, now go and multiply. Go make disciples. So it's in Matthew 28. If you want to turn there. I'll begin reading in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Not a whole lot of detailed instruction there. Basically, he said, come follow me. Now that you're following me, go and multiply. Bring others along. Tell them that there is a God who loves them. A God who gave his life in punishment for their sin who rose again and now has given the promise of forgiveness and redemption and restoration and love and relationship with him. Go tell people about this. This is your assignment. It is their assignment. It is our assignment. And it goes to the very, very heart of who we are as a church. Now, understand a little bit about what's going on here because when Jesus gives them this commission, we call it the Great Commission, this is something that has never been done before. See, no one had ever said, now go tell people and bring people to understand this truth, to entrust their lives into this truth. That had never been done before. See, back in ancient times, there was a whole pantheon of gods. And it was no big deal to believe in one more God. You just added them to your bookshelf of gods. But Jesus said, no, no, you go and tell people there is a one true God. 
who has given everything so that you could be in a relationship with him. Tell people that message. That's the message they need to hear. This whole idea of conversion was completely foreign. So when he's telling his disciples, this is what I want you to do, they're kind of thinking like, I don't know how to do that. And, and he doesn't give them a whole lot of details. I mean, think of how daunting this is. They have no money. They have no influence. They have no political clout. They, have got, they don't even have the internet for crying out loud. They got no way of communicating this to the world. And yet he says, this is what I want you to do. This is my assignment. Now, every one of us in this room who have come to follow Christ did so because somebody in your past took that command seriously. Might have been a Sunday school teacher, a youth worker, a parent, a brother, a sister, but somebody, somebody in your past took that commission seriously, and that's why you're here this morning. And the reason they were able to tell you that message is because somebody before them in their past told them that message, and somebody before them... See, that's the whole idea of multiply. That's what Jesus' commission is, that we grow and go and make disciples. Disciples make disciples. And I'm sure they were left with a lot of questions like, how are we going to do this? Who's going to pay for it? What are we going to... I have questions to this day. How are we going to do this? In fact, I'd like us this morning to look at some very important questions when it comes to this command here. And the first question I want to start with is this. Whose power is at work in all of this? Whose power is at work? Because if we don't understand this we won't get very far. Whose power is at work? It's God's power. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God's power at work. That's what he said. Now, look, he gets these, all, all these guys together. And this is, this is an incredible. I don't know if you caught this. I was looking at this this week, and it just kind of stuck out of me. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, I don't know what it takes to believe, but... You were there with him for the last three years. You saw him crucified. You now see him standing in front of you, resurrected, alive. What does it take to believe? <laughs> if that doesn't do it for you, I don't know what it's going to take. But here's the thing. You can be a disciple maker and still have doubts. So you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. I am sure that these guys looked around at each other. They looked at one another. They looked at themselves and they said, who, me? I mean, remember this group of people. This is a ragtag group of guys with all kinds of different personalities and different backgrounds. James and John, their nicknames were the sons of thunder, would tell you a little bit about their personality. Peter, who was like the, the guy, the number one disciple, flunked discipleship 101. When he was given the opportunity to stand up and speak for his Lord, he denied him three times. Matthew, Matthew, who wrote those words and recorded them for us. Do you know what Matthew's other name was? Levi. Which means more than likely he was from the priestly tribe and had been groomed or expected to carry on ministry. And yet, for whatever reason, either he flunked out of rabbi school or something, for whatever reason, he took a different path and ended up being a traitor to his nation and a tax collector for the Roman imperial government. That's the group of guys that Jesus says, I believe in you. 
Yeah, I believe you can do this. And I'm sure they're looking around at each other, looking at themselves and saying, how, 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 how? And that's why he makes it so clear. In fact, he says it twice. He says it before he gives them the commission, and then afterwards. He says, he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. I've got all the authority. I've got all the power. I've got everything that you need to be able to accomplish this mission. Before he even gives them the mission, he says, I want you to know it doesn't depend on you. All authority is in me. And then he gives them this mission, and then he ends it, and I am with you. I who have all that authority, I who have all that power, I who have all those resources that you need, I am the one who's, that's sending you, I am with you when you go. See, if we don't understand that, we will not get very far at all, because we will think it all depends on us. And I will tell you, it scares me as much as it scares you. I can stand up and talk in front of hundreds of people. It doesn't bother me a bit. But I get on a one-on-one conversation with somebody and start talking about Jesus, and my brain goes to mush. Now, I don't know. Am I the only one? How many in this room would say, yeah, you know, I I think about getting into a conversation and telling people about Jesus, and all of a sudden my, my mouth goes dry, my palms get all sweaty, I don't know what to say. Anybody else feel that way? Yeah. Oh, come on. Don't not tell the truth in church. Okay, I'm going to ask this one again. I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourselves. How many has ever, 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 once in your whole life thought about the possibility of maybe talking to somebody about Jesus and got a little bit nervous? All right. Finally, some honesty in church. It scares me to death. It really does. I, I, I just, I am, I have never gotten over junior high rejection issues, okay? <laughs> and neither have you. And so if, if, if we think this is all on us, if we think we got to have the right words and have all the answers to any question that's ever raised, if we think we got to get it all figured out first before we can tell anybody about it, we will never do it. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we don't. That's why Jesus said up front, listen. It's on me. All authority, all power, all that you need, it's on me, and I am with you. So go. Go. you got to answer that very first question. you got to settle that deep down in your heart. This is not on you. This is not about you. This is not your good speech. This is not about your good answers. It's about the power of God at work in and through you. And, and if it makes you feel any better, the early church was no more comfortable with this than we are. Over and over again, you find in the book of Acts, they are praying for greater boldness. Peter gets arrested, thrown in jail, gets released, and is threatened with, don't talk about this Jesus guy anymore, and go tell the rest of you guys, if you do, it's it for you. We'll do the same thing to you that we did to him. And he went in and reported it to the early church. And you know what they did? They didn't sit around and pray, God, protect us. God, watch over us. God, keep us safe. You know what they prayed for? Boldness. God, give us the courage and the boldness to not stop talking about you. So listen, if it's all in God's power, then the most important thing you can do is pray. Pray. Pray for yourself and your own boldness. 
and pray for the people that you want to talk to. Lee Strobel said, before talking to your friends about Jesus, begin talking to Jesus about your friends. This is, this is a life-transforming message. This is a message people are hungry for. This is, this is a message that will change eternal destinies for people. But it's not all on you. So here's one of the things that we're asking you to do. Pastor Larry mentioned it earlier. Take your book and start the process. Use the, the um, bookmark in there. It's a guide. In fact, this week, you're just going to be reading through the book of Mark. It's the shortest gospel. I know we took six months through Luke. It won't take you six months through Mark, okay? But just read how Jesus trained his disciples. Most of it was just doing life with them. So take this book, but then here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to buy another book, and I want you to start praying now for your one. Because if this is just a sermon series that you just go home and you talk about, wow, wasn't that something? Oh, I, I, that was funny. That, when he said the part about, yeah, I like kind of like that. I mean, I slept through most of it, but it'll be meaningless. Some of you got that. Get a book. Start praying for boldness and start praying for one person. You may not know who that one person is going to be. Get the book for him today and then start praying, God, send me one. Send me one. Because whose power is at work? God's power. Second question is, who matters? How far do we take this thing? Who matters to God? Everyone. That's the answer. Everyone matters to God. He was very clear on the scope of the mission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. He said, you go. This isn't just for Israel. Now, again, this is another radical concept because all that they were expecting was the Messiah to redeem Israel. They were looking for God to come and rescue my people, my culture, my language, the people that are in my comfort zone. That's the kind of people that God came for. And Jesus says, no, it's for all the world. It's all nations. Literally, ta ethnos, which is where we get our word ethnicity and ethnic. To every people group, everybody matters to God. This is not just a me and mine kind of thing. Everyone matters. And by the way, if you notice, all throughout Jesus' ministry, he demonstrated that. He talked with a Samaritan woman at a well, an outsider, an outcast, not one of us. He healed the son of a Roman centurion, one of the enemy. The, all of his life, he hung out with the kinds of people nobody hung out with. He engaged in life with other people that most other people wouldn't connect with. Because it wasn't just for this select group of people. So here's the big deal. Move out. Move out. By the way, did you notice he didn't say, okay, guys, we spent three years together. I've given you the basics. Now go disciple each other. And yet, what do we do in the American church? We disciple other believers. We have made discipleship something for believers. That's not what Jesus said. Disciple nations. Disciple the people who are not yet disciples. See, we have, when I grew up in the youth group, we, we talked about being disciples. You know, just, because you could be a Christian, but you really need to be a disciple. 
Because a disciple is serious. A disciple is real. A disciple. And, and, and so all of our discipleship programs, and, and this isn't just my church. This is across Christianity. We disciple believers. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, hang around and disciple each other and go deep. <laughs> I've given you the basics. Now go deep. <laughs> Be a disciple. You go to those who don't yet know. Disciple simply means follower, learner. And yet we are all at different stages in that learning, following process. And there are some people who are not yet followers yet. But here's something I just want to challenge you with. When you start praying for your one, make it a one who doesn't yet know. I've been thinking about this. We've been praying about and preparing for this whole thing. And I'm thinking about this a lot. Because i got a friend that I really love. And we've had some conversations about God off and on. And I always get all choked up and I say the wrong thing. And I go away thinking like, oh, damn. Why didn't you say this? And I thought, okay, if I'm going to be serious about this. If I really, really believe that it is God who is at work. Can I believe that God is at work in my friend's life? And I could go with him with this book and just say, hey, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about God and about Jesus. But I don't think we've ever sat down and really discussed what that means. So I want to invite you for the next five weeks or so, let's go through this book together. And at the end of that, if you decide differently, that's cool. It's going to be your decision no matter what. But at least know what you're deciding about. If I really believe that God is at work in my life and really at work in his life, then I got to quit trying to just disciple already believers. I got to find somebody who doesn't know yet. Because that's what Jesus called us to do. So think about your one as maybe being a not yet. Because <laughs> see, when we start thinking that way, it changes our perspective on this whole discipleship idea. Because usually when we talk about discipleship, we're really talking about being quality Christians. And then we start into these, these kind of discussions about quantity versus quality. And, and when, when the church, and I hear things like people talk about churches who are, they're a mile wide but only an inch deep. Hey, they're making disciples. And they're making more of them than I am, than you are. So, Let's get away from this whole discussion about quantity, quality. And sometimes people say things like, yeah, but then if our church gets too big, I won't know anyone. And I don't want... That's like telling God, I love the people you've already brought into your kingdom. Can't this just be enough? <laughs> yeah. And let me take it a step further. And I used to say this. I haven't said this in a long time. You know what I'm going to say. Because the rest of the sentence says, the rest can go to hell. Honestly. Anytime I start saying, God, this is enough. This is big enough. What I'm telling him in my heart is I believe the rest can go to hell. I'm not going to say that to God. He says, no, he loves everyone. <laughs> he loves everyone. Everyone matters to him, and he is at work 
in ways you cannot imagine in people's lives who don't even know him yet. And they won't know him if we don't go. Everyone matters to God. And the third question is this. So everyone matters to God, and it's God's power at work. So then whose job is it to make disciples? And the answer to that one is our job. It's my job. In fact, I want you to personalize that. Whose job is it to make disciples? It's my job. Some of you don't believe that. Some of you think that's the pastor's job. That's the youth worker's job. No, no, no. Let me ask you again. Whose job is it to make disciples? It's my job. It's your job. It's my job. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He doesn't give a whole lot of detail, but he gives us enough. He says, go. Now, in the Greek, in the Greek, that means go. (laughs) It's not a difficult word to translate. Go. Go. Get out of your holy huddle. Get out of your circle of friends. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out beyond where you are now. Go. Engage in life with other people. Don't let all of your circle of friends just revolve around your church and church activities. Go. Get involved. Get in PTA. Coach a little league team. Uh, um, volunteer at a shelter. Do something, but get out there. Have a barbecue with your neighbors. Go meet other people. Go. Engage in life. Talk to them like they're people (laughs) and not projects. That's that's the command. And, And then he goes on, he says, baptizing them, baptizing them. Now, What he's saying is, once you engage in life with them, then do so in such a way that they can see there is something different about you. See, baptism is a public identification with Jesus Christ. And and so baptizing means I am taking my stand. My life is now centered in him. I am giving my life to follow him. I got a long way to go. I have a lot I don't even have figured out yet, but I have dedicated my life to follow him. And do it in such a way and speak in such a way that people can understand and make that decision for themselves. And that's why the book can be so helpful. Another thing that you can do that will be really, really helpful in this, because when you go, you also need need the the support here too. And that's where the community groups come in. Pastor Larry talked about it earlier. I want you to take out your, your connection card, if you would. Everybody take them out. I'll wait. Hold them up. Okay. We want to support you in your going. And the best way this happens is in a community group. Because here's where you can pray for each other. Pray for boldness. You can pray for your one and others one. You can learn and grow together and encourage each other. So community groups are a big, big part of this. And we are encouraging. And really, I don't know how else to say except you got to do this. Because that won't even work anyway. But... We're encouraging everybody, be in a community group. So if you are not currently in a community group, on the back here, just check the box. Say, I want to get in a community group and give us the night of the week. 
Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever. tell us whatever night of the week works for you, okay? And, and oh, and by the way, on the front side, put your name. We don't want these to be anonymous, okay? Now, if you are already in a community group, tell us which one you're in. Tell, I'm already in one, but tell us which one. Because here's where, here's where we pray for each other. Here's where we encourage. Here's where we, where we get the gumption to go, all right? So if you are not. Now, here's the thing. We're talking about this. How can we get, make sure people get in a community group? So Pastor Larry said, I will, you do this. You have them fill out the card. I, anybody who is not in a community group, who, who you know, if, tell them put the night of the week on. I will personally call each and every one of those people and get them into a community group. So if you are wondering, what does it take to get a phone call from one of the pastors in this church, that's what you can do. So fill out the card. Tell us Now, if you're already in a community group, somebody after first service said, I filled out because I just want to see if pastor's going to call me. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to call you. You're already in a group. Okay? So, but if you're not in a group, not that we don't love you, but if you're not in a group, get in a community group. If you've been away from a community group, get plugged back in. If you need help getting into a community group, use this card. Turn it in the offering boxes, and, and we'll get you connected in. Because this is a big, big part of the going. You need the support so you can go. You come back and refill, and you can go. The other thing he says is the baptism part. That's the identifying with Christ. That I am, I am setting my life on this course, and I am living in such a way that it makes a difference. Now, how does that look? Because sometimes people are trying to, you know, I want to be a witness. So they think like they've got to somehow throw in a scripture verse. Or an amen in every time converse, they have a conversation with somebody, okay? Or, or, or it, just, it just gets really, really weird. You know, like some people talk about like, I, well, I, you know, I'm just a fool for Christ. And I say, no, you're just a fool. <laughs> just saying. I have made it my life mission to not be weird. <laughs> that happened in first service too. It's like there was a lot of silence. Like how... Am I okay? Am I, it's like everybody's looking at me like, well, you got to work on that one. <laughs> I just want people to know that Christ followers are just normal everyday people. And we don't have scripture verses spouting out of our mouth all the time. And we're not doing crazy, goofy things because we're fools for the Lord. We're just normal people who are trying to follow someone who has changed our lives. And, and that's, you know what that looks like? That looks like loving people. Looks like caring about them, having a conversation, spending life together. See, that's what Jesus did. That's how he did it. So going, baptizing, teaching to obey, teaching to obey. What does that look like? Every parent in this room knows what that looks like. Because teaching to obey doesn't happen with scoldings or spankings or other disciplines. Really, how does teaching to obey happen? You model it. Because you can't say, do as I say, not as I do. Because the teaching to obey, oh, you can teach about obedience <laughs> those other ways, but the way that you teach to obey is that you model it. You live it. You just live it. Jesus was very, very clear. He said, go Make disciples, baptizing, teaching them to obey, and I'm with you. He was so clear on the directive. And you know what happened? That first, that first day that the church birthed, 3,000 people came to Christ. And it says they added daily to their number those who were being saved. 
but they stayed in Jerusalem. Why go anywhere else? We're having a revival. God's doing incredible things. We don't need to go anywhere. Look at what he's doing just right here. So you know what God did? You read about it a little bit later in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. A great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. They need a little kick in the pants. And all except the apostles were scattered through Judea and Samaria. And those who had been scattered, verse 4, preached the word wherever they went. Notice who stayed in Jerusalem. And notice who went. And when they went, what they did. There's an old, old saying, and it's been attributed to anywhere, anyone from St. Francis of Assisi to Charles Spurgeon. And, and I actually went online to find out who really said this. And it's a quote that nobody knows who really said it the first time, but it's still a really, really good quote. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. We are here because somebody preached the gospel and brought that message to us. More than likely, it wasn't just words. And now it's our turn. So will we? Will we take seriously this mission that he's given to us? I pray that we do. I've been praying all week that we as a church, every single one of us, would take that seriously. I know I am. So would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. 